Welcome to the Hope Universe, a live podcast with the catalyst of becoming and your destiny midwife, Dr. Hosea Tagara. Get ready for transformation, reformation, and destiny explosion until you become. Thanks for tuning in.
Mapumone misebe Kutisu Tiparare Tikachererwa Makomba Kutiti wiremo Tipe Taparara Yeah. 
Kingdom greetings to you all, wherever you are, whatever time zone that you are in, I hope I find you all in perfect peace. Welcome to Hope Universe, live on Podbean. I welcome you all, I welcome you all. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. We thank God for you and we love you so much. Uh, the second day of our conference uh ministry and the marketplace uh if you were here yesterday i'm sure you agree with me that it was powerful it was liberating and it was informative uh if you were here yesterday can i see some fire and some love in the comment section if you agree with me that this conference is helping us can i see some engagement in the comment section if you agree with me, can I see some engagement in the comment section that this conference was very powerful, ministry and marketplace. We thank God for our Father for coming up with such a vision uh, and such a powerful conference and our guest. We thank God for him as well, uh, Pastor C. Winfrey. We really thank God and appreciate Thank you very much for yesterday. That was powerful. If you agree with me and if you just want to thank God for, for the men of God, can I see some fire and some love in the comment section? Come on, somebody. Let's thank God for, for our Father. Let's thank God for our Father. Let's thank God for our guest. We thank God so much for the information and the word, the wisdom that they were sharing with us yesterday. Uh, come on, can I see somebody in the comment section? Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, even as we are doing so, I just want to encourage you to share this podcast with your friends and family. Can we do so before we start, before we welcome the men of God? Can we, can we quickly share? Let somebody know that Hope Universe is live. Hope Universe is live. Thank you very much to those that are sharing. We really appreciate it. Let's continue to do so. Post it on your WhatsApp status. Call somebody. Let somebody know that Hope Universe is live. The good news is here. We thank God for this conference. Uh, it is touching lives and changing minds. We really thank God for that. Uh, if you were not here yesterday, you might be wondering what's really happening why is it everyone is so excited and uh, am i left out i'm just here to tell you that we got you too because yesterday yesterday's session is here on podbean if you just go on our wall uh, any time of the day you find it there the recorded so you can still catch up with others on 
yesterday's um, yesterday's teachings. So kindly do so. Spare some time in your day and listen to these powerful, power-packed teachings. So let's continue to share. Let's continue to share quickly before the man of God comes in. And I also encourage you to follow Hope Universe. Just go to our profile and you see an option to follow. Let's quickly do so before our father comes in. I'm telling you, tonight is another night. We are moving from one level to the other. Uh, like he always says, that we don't run out of, of revelation, but we run out of that. So tonight is another night, and I believe that we still have more to learn, and we still have more to hear from our Father. So let's quickly share this podcast. Thank you guys for sharing, those that are sharing. We really thank God for you. Let's continue to do so as we can, so that we can dive into the Word of God and hear the mind of God concerning our lives, concerning our generation. Let's continue to do so. And thank, we thank you all that are partnering with us, that are sending in their seeds, their offering, their tithe. We really thank God for you. Let's continue to, uh, let's continue to do so. Thank you for those that are sharing. Thank you for those that are sharing. Right now, as we are gearing up to hear the word of God, I just want us to have one more worship song. Um, and as we'll be having that worship song, I just want to encourage you to, uh, to, to be praying pray in the spirit pray in the spirit let's let's be part of the worship song and we'll be praying in the spirit as we wait for our father to come in we're going to have one more worship song and soon after that we hear the word of god thank you very much in the name of jesus again for the second time for we look unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith all of the other guys there's nobody worthy to put our trust and all our faith when things are wrong when things are tough, we call your name, Jehovah There's nobody worthy to put our trust and all when things are We call your name, Yeah. 
Wonderful evening to everyone of you that are in the evening time zone. A good morning to some of you that are in the morning time zone. Um, those in New Zealand and that part of the world. And um, it's afternoon to those that are probably in the Americas and that part of the world. And uh, it's good that we are connected. If you are here, let me see fire. Let me see your response. Let me see your heart in the comment section. It's good to see you. So, so Van der Vaart. Uh, 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 I was so blessed when I saw you come in. Um, God bless you so much. God bless you so. And uh, it's good to see uh, Prophet Matiza, Joyous, um, Pastor Murada, Wish, Doxology, Charity. Let me see you. Let me see you. Who is in the front row today? <laughs> Let me see you. Stan. Who is connected? Who is connected? Who is connected? Come on. Let me see fire in the comment section. Remember, engagement is very key for us as well. It pushes our page so it can be able to reach as many people as possible. Faith, God bless you. Kuds and I also help me welcome our guest who was speaking yesterday, Pastor Windros. Oh, what a wonderful and tremendous blessing he was to us. Oh man, he was he was he was hitting hard. He was laboring. Some fantastic power stuff. Powerful, powerful stuff. Malicious Natalie. <clears throat> Who is connected? Let me see you. Let me see you. Let me see fire. Let me see hearts. Lloyd. God bless you. May God heal you speedily. May you recover speedily. In the name of Jesus, we declare a speedy recovery for you. In the name of Jesus, a speedy recovery for you. I'm going to be praying for the sick. I'm very conscious that the times we are in are trying times 11 p.m. prayer. will still be there because of the testimonies that are coming through. So immediately after this, we're going to go into a prayer session. So if you've got a prayer request, 
be mindful of that okay so welcome to this particular seminar virtual seminar and podcast where we're dealing with ministry and the marketplace ministry and the marketplace i want to see your energy there in the comment section i need your energy i need your engagement continuously mercy you're welcome kimberly we are dealing with ministry and the marketplace <clears throat> yesterday we learned a few powerful things and we unlearned a lot of powerful stuff we were able to understand that god doesn't really see work and worship as different we were able to see how it is possible to be engaged in the marketplace and also be a minister serving god in the process and how to serve god and at the same time be involved in the marketplace but we're going to take it a bit deeper today we're gonna take it a bit deeper today <clears throat> we're gonna take it a bit deeper today but we want to build from where we we left yesterday i thought that was very important for us to understand that god does not see work as less spiritual as your worship practices especially when you do it in the right framework of mind and with the right kind of perspective we made reference to a very interesting portion of scripture in the book of genesis i love the book of genesis because it's very insightful it shows us god's original intention for humanity in genesis chapter number two and eight now the lord god had planted a garden in the east in eden and he put the man he had formed so god himself is the first one to plant scripture is littered with evidence of god working but this one is quite unique for me god planted a garden that is not that doesn't just sound like a spiritual activity even though he's god that that's actually a productive fruitful if you want it that way activity that god got involved in it was an actual garden that god planted and he put if you want it and uh, uh, you don't want to probably make it spiritual quote unquote just for the sake of better better expression that we understand planting is what they do in agriculture god planted a garden in the east in eden and he put the men he had formed so the first one to work was god and genesis 2 15 the lord god took the men and put him in the garden to work it not to pray for it god did not put adam in the garden to pray for the garden <laughs> he put adam in the garden to work it isn't that interesting 
So, we established that from Genesis we see that God never separated work and worship. Actually, in the garden, the way of Adam to worship was through work. I will repeat. In the garden of Eden, the way Adam would worship was to work. <laughs> the way Adam, one of the ways Adam would worship was through work. To worship means to ascribe worth, honor, and reverence. What are the better way of ascribing honor, reverence, and worth to God? Who planted the garden than to work the garden? <laughs> so, Adam was it through work. And this is not too isolated because even in the new covenant, scripture teaches us that we should do everything that we do as unto the Lord. So, I, I just want to build from there. I just want to build from there. And we established that God would visit Adam, not in a temple, not in a synagogue, not in a mosque, not in a structured building or edifice of worship. God would visit Adam in the garden. As long as Adam was working in the garden, he, were, he had access to the presence of God and he communed with God in the process. And we were saying, we need to understand that God is not and never intended to be a Sunday God if you are a Sunday worshiper. God never intended to be a Saturday God if you are a Saturday worshiper. God is a, our God wants to have a relationship with us and he wants to have communion with us and he wants us to have communion and engage him in our lives on Monday, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He is not just... We want to introduce you to a God who is beyond the Sunday God. <laughs> and the reason why our lives are short of God's breakthroughs and testimonies and miracles is because we expect God to work and to move only on Sunday. Imagine, automatically that mindset eliminates and subtract, subtracts six days out of seven days for God to work in your life. Because if you only expect God to work on Sunday, it means on Monday you have no expectation. On Tuesday, you have no heightened expectation like you have on Sunday. God is interested and He wants to be involved in your life, not only in the four walls of the church, but in every area of your life. So today I'm going to zero in on... A, a title that I would uh, uh, call Possessing the Gate. Alright? Possessing the Gate. Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 16, Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So there are a few terms 
that I would want to define for the sake of this conversation. As we, as we converse. The first word that I would love to define, because I'm going to use these words a lot. Upon this rock, I will build my church. So, we're going to define church. Because we're talking about ministry and marketplace. So, it's critical that we also take time to define what are we talking about. Because the fact that we use terms a lot doesn't mean we understand them. Actually, some of the most misunderstood terms are the most frequently used. We are going to define the word church. He said, I will build my church. We want to know, what was that thing? What, 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 what was that that he was talking about? He says, I will build my church and the gates. So we're going to also look at gates. What are gates? He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Alright. So we would want to understand the church. Gates. And we also would want to understand the kingdom. Alright. But in addition to that, we also would want to understand marketplace. Because we're talking about church and the market, ministry and the marketplace. We want to understand what is the marketplace among others. Let me start from here. The word church, the word church, it's very important that you understand the meaning of the word church. I know some of you, you say you go to church, but I hope you really understand what church means. And you're going to learn something today. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And this word, it's very important for you to understand this background. That in the time of Jesus, the church was not a religious organization. <laughs> In the time of Jesus, church, ecclesia, was not a religious term. In the time of Jesus, there were a few religious institutions. Two, if not three. Number one, there was the synagogue. If you would say synagogue, in the time of Jesus, you would, people would understand you as saying church like today. In the time of Jesus was the temple. The temple was a religious institution. But Jesus, it's interesting, he did not say, I'll build my temple. He did not say, I'll build my synagogue. He said, I'll build my church. The word church, like I said, is from the Greek word ecclesia. It means, number one, a legislative assembly of believers a legislative assembly of believers administering or enforcing the will of heaven in the earth within a specific area of society want to start slow so i don't lose you it was actually a borrowed term you remember Jesus even taught concerning his disciples. He says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there will I be. That scripture was actually inspired by a Roman concept. That where two or three Roman citizens were gathered, they had the right, the power and the support of Rome as a government 
to enforce the authority of Rome in that particular area where they are. So, an ecclesia was referring to a legislative assembly of Roman citizens who had power to enforce the authority and the rule of Rome in the particular area where they were. So Jesus was actually speaking, not religiously, but contextually in a way that secular people would un actually understand in his time. I want to lay this foundation. And secondly, this word ecclesia, so the first version of that word is E-C-C-L-E-S-I-A. Alright? And the other version of the same word is E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. And this one meant a think tank. So what Jesus was saying is, I will build my assembly of believers we have the power, legal power and authority to administer the will of God in the earth. Secondly, Jesus was saying, I will have my own think tank. I wish somebody was trekking with me here. This is already getting delicious for me. Jesus was saying, I will have my own think tank. That means in this season, we cannot be satisfied with zombie-like Christianity. Thoughtless Christianity. In this season, what God wants to do is to raise a breed of believers who are sharp, who are brilliant, who demonstrate that they do have the mind of God. I want to challenge you to move and desire to shift from brainless, thoughtless Christianity. And understand that you have the mind of Christ by the presence of the Holy Spirit in the inside of you. And the Spirit of God you have when you receive the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the all-knowing God. And you, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you cannot be thoughtless. You cannot be dumb. <laughs> Do you know what the Bible says about the anointing? It says, you have no need that anyone should teach you anything, anything because... The anointing that you have will teach you all things. That's how the Bible describes the effect and the power of the anointing. And this knowing is not only for verses and chapters. It's a knowing of everything that pertains to life and godliness. A knowing of everything that pertains to anything that can be known. Scripture has never only limited the supernatural knowledge of God to spiritual things. In the book of Daniel chapter number 1 and 17, the Bible says in all 17 to 20, it says actually concerning Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when they were in Babylon, it actually teaches us and shows us that in all manner of learning, they were found to be 10 times better. In all manner of learning. I want you to believe today that the anointing of God can come upon your life and cause you to have knowledge and understanding. Not only spiritual knowledge and understanding, but knowledge that you can actually apply in real life. I hope someone is tracking with me. So, that was the church. I will build my church. <laughs> I will build my ecclesia. 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Right. So we also want to define gates. Gates were not just structures of entry and exit. Huh? Like the place that you used to get into a city and out of a city. Gates were also places where judicial decisions were made. Courts would actually happen in the gates. Those who made legal decisions and judgments would sit at the gate of the city. Gates were also places of commerce and trade. Commerce and trade would actually happen at the gates of the city. That's why actually when you read the book of Kings, scripture describing that time when the prophet declares that by this time tomorrow, a basket of wheat will be selling for a shekel. But economic turnaround. He prescribed that this was going to happen by the city gates of Samaria. Why? Because gates were places of commerce and trade. Services and goods and services would actually be sold at the gates of the city. Now consider this. Jesus is saying, I built my church. <laughs> and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, what this means is, these gates are possessed and controlled by hell. Could it be that Jesus was also giving us insight into how the places that influence society, places of commerce, trade, where we buy goods and services and sell them too, places where judicial decisions are made, where we are educated, where government is happening, but they are pretty much in many places controlled by hell. How many of you have ever suffered at the hands of ungodly ungodly men and women who are in control of systems of this world? And you wish that if there was a godly man in that particular place. I want you to understand that hell has been controlling most of the marketplace. Satan has been controlling most of the aspects of society. Your government and politics, your economics and business, your education and sports and entertainment. Think about how entertainment is controlled by hell. Are you not tired of seeing what you've been seeing and complaining that the movies are horror and they are satanic and they are projecting and propagating satanic philosophies and lifestyles? What if we could have a world where all such kind of programming is coming from godly people and is shaped by godly culture? So what Jesus was beginning to show us is, I have a desire to raise a breed of believers who are going to march towards all these facets of society in the marketplace that are controlled by hell. And inspired by the mind of Christ and the Holy Spirit, they will take over. And they will begin to bring in the culture of the kingdom of God. So, that is it. It's pertaining to gates. Probably in the interest of time we can move forward. So, the kingdom of God. When we say the kingdom of God, we are not saying the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God refers to any place, area or territory where the rule of God and the will of God is being done. And the kingdom of heaven refers to heaven. So we cannot use these two interchangeably. God wants the kingdom of God to penetrate every part of the earth. 
He wants his rule, his influence in every part of society, not only in the four walls of the church as we know it, as we have known it. Jesus taught us that we are the light of the world. Mm. We are the light of the world. I love it when he then says, we are the salt of the earth. Anybody that has ever used salt, if you have ever had a meal and there was salt, a good cook will not put the maximum amount of salt that is supposed to be in a relish. What you do is you put enough to savor the meal. But because people want different degrees of saltiness, you put a salt shaker on the table. So if somebody wants more salt, they lift up the salt shaker. And then they have to shake the salt out of the salt shaker. I believe the church is the salt shaker. And we are the salt. Believers in a church are the salt in a salt shaker. And if we are going to remain in a salt shaker, we are not going to change any test of the world. We are not going to influence nothing in the world. So believers have to understand that they have a place of engagement in the marketplace. The church is supposed to be a place of equipment, empowerment, and training. So that we can be able to step out into the world as movers and shakers. Oh, if this is blessing you, let me see fire in the comment section right there. Let me see fire in the comment section right there. Glory be to God. So, the Bible never really separates work and worship, ministry and marketplace. Consider this. Consider this. Let's look at Jesus' model of ministry. I want to try and build a biblical basis of why it should not be strange for you as a believer to engage in the marketplace with a clear conscience. Many of us, like I said in my opening remarks, that we have not seen the power of God because our, our mindset only limits our faith to God moving when we are in the church. We believe if we are going to serve God, we have to do that only within the confines of the church. But consider this. Do you know that of all the 40 miracles that were recorded in the book of Acts, only one of those miracles happened in a religious setup. Only one miracle of the 40 recorded miracles in the book of Acts happened in a religious setup. That is the miracle happening in Acts chapter number 3 of the healing of the man who was sitting at the beautiful gate. He was not even in church. He was actually seated at the gate of the church. Otherwise, in the book of Acts, no miracle is ever recorded is happening. Oh, good God Almighty. I visited a certain uh, 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 precious brother. He's a minister of the gospel and a minister in music. And he loves God. He's a preacher of the gospel. I, I was visiting with them at their home. He's into IT and they run their own business. And we began to have a chat. And he asked me a question. And he says, Man of God, why is it that it looks as if each time someone goes out for an outreach, they see a lot of miracles. Each time somebody goes out, and he began to narrate of the times they were in college and they would go out and preach and saw a lot of incredible miracles. And I say to him, it's because that's biblical. Scripture says, go ye therefore. 
And then it says, these miracles shall follow them. Miracles shall follow. So miracles follow those that are on the go. People that are stagnant, locked up, who cannot take the glory, the power, and the presence of God from outside the church. They cannot see miracles. If you want to see miracles in your life, firstly, you want to have that consciousness even as you leave church on Sunday. That now I'm going to demonstrate the power of God out in the world. Not only on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Monday to Saturday is time to demonstrate miracles. Oh, glory be to God. So, of the 40 miracles recorded in the book of Acts, only one happened. In a religious setup. Consider this. Let's talk about Jesus. Of all places where Jesus, the desire of ages, the culmination of all prophecies, I think if God wanted to be spooky and spiritual, he would have allowed Mary to give birth to Jesus on the altar. But can you imagine Jesus was not even born in the church? Jesus was born in the marketplace. <laughs> Luke chapter number 2 and 7, he was born in a manger. A manger, where Jesus was born is like our modern day filling station or gas station. Because that's where horses and donkeys would get food. That is an equivalent of fueling up a car. <laughs> Jesus was born in the marketplace. His first visitors, who were the wise men and the shepherds, they were professional, professionals in the marketplace and small business owners. I don't know if you see what I'm seeing here. His first, the first people to celebrate the birth of Jesus were professionals in the marketplace. Wise men arrived from the east. Professionals and small business owners who have such a revelation and a divine connection with God that they would know that this is the time for the birth of the Messiah and the desire of ages. It gets better than that. It gets better than that. Consider that Jesus actually was regarded and called. The neighbors of Jesus, those who knew him, they did not even call him a man of God. They called him a son of a carpenter. And you need to understand that a carpenter in the time of Jesus was not just a person who would use woodwork. This was a person who had architectural knowledge to even build an entire house. By the time he started ministry party in a community where a person, as young, a young man as young as 10 years of age would have learnt a craft. It means Jesus had practiced his marketplace skill for 20 years. That's a professional. <laughs> That's a marketplace professional. Now, consider this. Even as Jesus begins now to start ministry, never did he recruit anybody into the core of his team which was later to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Jesus never went to the synagogue to recruit a disciple. Jesus never recruited from the temple. All the disciples of Jesus, the core disciples of Jesus, the apostolic team, none of them was recruited by Jesus from the temple or from the synagogue. Every one of them, Jesus got them from the marketplace. Oh, I don't know who is tracking with me. I don't know who is following <laughs> I don't know who is, who is following me. So he finds Peter and Andrew fishermen. 
and he finds James and John partners with their fathers in food production. He finds Matthew as a tax collector. That's a revenue officer there. A finance guy. He finds Luke a medical doctor. <laughs> All these men, he found them in the marketplace. Who told you that you are less called because you are involved in the marketplace? Who told you? That is one of the greatest lies the enemy has ever spoken. So that he can decapacitate powerful vessels that God would love to use for the end time ministry. Even in the writing of the Bible, oh good God Almighty, I love this. Even in the writing of the word of God, consider this. Consider this. The four gospels, the recording of the account of the death, the life, and the ministry of Jesus. I, wanna, I want you to look at the men that God used. The Bible says how the Holy Ghost moved the prophets and the apostles to write scriptures. In other words, these men were moved by the Holy Ghost to write scriptures. But let's look at who was moved by the Holy Ghost. Number one, we start from the book of Matthew. A text collector, a finance guy. God used him to write the scriptures. We go to Mark. We go to John. John was a businessman. A partner in his father's business. Mark. John Mark. Mark is also John, called John Mark. This guy was coming from a wealthy business family. If you read in the book of Acts. Actually it was the house. It was actually the house of John Mark's mother. Where the church was gathered in Acts chapter number 12. When they were praying for Peter after he was put in prison. You remember the story when Rhoda came and he knocked on the door. Uh, I mean, Peter, when they were praying and Peter was released by an angel out of prison, came knocked on the door and they, he was not yet and Rhoda had to run. He had to run to the gate. I mean, firstly, that took an entire big property there for all that number of disciples to gather in one place, number one. Number two, it took Rhoda running without even recognizing that it was Peter. That means there was quite a big driveway there in that house. You remember this, the same John Mark that had to run away from a mission trip with Paul. I hope it was not his comfort mindset coming from a rich family. I want you to understand that God always has, scripture has evidence that God has always used people that are in the marketplace. Let's talk about the book of Luke. A medical doctor. There is nobody that was coming from a religious institution that God used to write the gospels. Isn't that interesting? Paul himself was a tent maker. <laughs> so, I want you to understand that God is always, scripture is evidence that God has always used people that are in the marketplace. I'm trying to encourage you and to let you know that God can still use you powerfully even if you are in the marketplace. Even if you are in the marketplace. I hope that is blessing somebody. I hope that is blessing somebody. Like I said yesterday, consider this, my brothers and my sisters. Many of you that have the burden to evangelize the world and to make the disciples. Mark 16 and 17, go ye into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Like I was saying yesterday, we are called to be fishers of men. But we cannot sit at home and wait for the fish to come. We do have to go to where the fish is found. 
The times that we are living in, there is a generation of people, believe you me, some of you attest to what I'm saying because of the parts of the world where you are. There is a generation of people and there are people that no matter what kind of a church program you do, you will never see them. They will never come to your crusade. Even if it's in a stadium, they will not come. Because the church has become so predictable that the fish knows that that's a hook there. They are church people. <laughs> but you see, there is a breed of ministers that God is raising who are skilled at bringing kingdom influence so that the net of the kingdom can rake in as many as possible into the kingdom of God as we approach the return of Christ. I'm praying that God will anoint you with wisdom and efficiency in your own way, in your own world to be able to reach people by any means necessary. Men and brethren, I want you to understand that hell is a, serial, is a reality and heaven is a reality. And if salvation is as precious as we claim it to be, Surely we cannot sit on our laurels and let our relatives and friends die without knowing Christ and our workmates that we enjoyed years of working together dying and going to hell. We have the responsibility of bringing the gospel of Christ to them. And we cannot relegate that responsibility to professional evangelists, pastors, teachers, evangelists and apostles. Every one of us has to jump onto the bandwagon and we do what we have to do. It doesn't take a Bible school. It, it just takes having a testimony of God's goodness. It just takes a testimony of God's goodness. Let me see hearts and fire if you are still tracking with me. <laughs> Let me see hearts and fire if you are still tracking with me. I know I'm shaking pillars. I'm shaking mindsets. In many, my, many hearts and many lives here. There are people that conventional ministers cannot reach. Because they have no access to them. Romans 10 says, how can they believe in whom they have not known? And the Bible says, how can they know without a, preach, without a preacher? There are people that the best preachers you know cannot reach because they have no access to those people. But those people, you are always with them. Five, six days a week with them. You are rubbing shoulders with them in the corridors of your offices. And you are actually having conversations with them in the boardrooms of your workplace. Why can't God use you to become the contact that God is going to use to bring the message of the goodness of God into those people's lives? Hello, somebody? Is somebody's eyes opening right here? So here it is. I want you to understand that the marketplace is one of the greatest and most effective frontiers for evangelism. The time for stadiums came. But this is the time for the marketplace. This model of having a one-man centered ministry where you have 5,000 people gather to hear one man who they are calling is the minister on a Sunday. And the rest of them are listeners and idol followers. It's inefficiency in the kingdom of God. If the 5,000 are not going to be empowered, trained to go and take the gospel into their world. I want you to consider this. We can choose to celebrate a 5,000 cedar church and a 10,000 cedar church. And even be proud that you know what? Our church is a mega church. We have 10,000 people. And you are celebrating one man doing ministry. 
and 10,000 people idle packed in a warehouse called the church. What about flipping the script and let the one man become a trainer and equipper who trains the 10,000 to go into their world, into their workplaces, into their neighborhoods, into their businesses and turn their boardrooms into places of counseling and bringing the love of God and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, da la sande bakaba. I don't know who is checking with me. Who is following me? Looks like I have a few people. <laughs> Many are already left behind here. Let me know if you are following me. Let me know if you are following me. Let me know if you are following me. So, imagine the impact. If a 5,000 seater church would change its approach and stop trying to disciple on Sunday, but start training on Sunday, so that Monday to Saturday, the trained are discipling in every area of society. Teachers, lawyers, accountants, carpenters, engineers, they are bringing the gospel of Jesus to one more person. Imagine the revolution that would happen in the world. Imagine the revolution that would happen in your city. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. God wants to use you in the marketplace. God wants to use you in the marketplace. The Bible is full of models of how God can use you and can use people in the marketplace. <laughs> you know, the other time I was sitting and I was thinking, me being me and the Holy Ghost, and I was looking at the scriptures and I just marveled at how we spiritualize biblical stories and accounts of real people walking with a real God in real life, seeing real testimonies. Yet when we preach those stories, we make them abstract and weird and spooky. <laughs> I don't know if you are following we are called sons and daughters of Abraham by faith. Abraham did not have Abraham International Ministries. Abraham was just an individual who had an encounter with God at a personal level and he walked. God invited him not to a worldwide ministry. Abraham was invited to a personal walk with God. <laughs> Abraham was invited to a personal walk with God. And the overflow of his personal relationship with God has resulted in all of us being called sons and daughters of Abraham by faith. He had cows and cattle and sheep and goats and God even multiplied his silver and gold. That's real life, guys. Real life. <laughs> this is what God is calling us to. Real life. So we preach about God's blessing in Abraham's marketplace life and then we spiritualize it. <laughs> Let's talk about Noah. I call Noah Oh, let me try and, and, and pick up speed a bit. I call Noah the innovative engineer. Noah the innovative engineer. Noah the innovative engineer, the innovator and the engineer. 
in the time of Noah, nothing like a ship, an ark or a boat had ever been constructed. And the life of Noah reminds me of Proverbs 8 verse number 12. It says, I wisdom dwell with wisdom, with prudence, and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Proverbs 8 12. I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Wise discoveries. Those are witty inventions. I pray for you today that God will anoint you to come up with witty inventions, solutions for human problems in a way that will glorify God. The Holy Spirit is able to anoint you for solutions. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not just a force that touches you for you to just have goosebump, uh, goosebumps and fall down and jerk and shake. The Holy Spirit is able to inspire you to have problem-solving solutions and revelations that can change people's lives to the glory of God as a demonstration of God's love. The life and the story of Noah provides us with ancient, incredible and a rare blend of powerful, innovative marketplace virtues, values and principles that if you embrace them as a modern marketplace believer, it will catapult you to a high place of influence that the world will never know. A few lessons that we learn from Noah. Number one, Noah was a just man. It's possible to be a just man who is successful in what you do in the marketplace. Noah models the rise of men and women who thrive and dominate their spheres of influence, their industries and the areas where they are serving in the marketplace through the wisdom of God. Noah walked with God and you need to understand this. It's amazing. It's amazing to me that we caught the story of Noah. Even Jesus quoted Noah. <laughs> Even the return of Jesus is prophetically described as, as it was in the time of Noah. And yet what Noah did was a physical project. He did a physical actual project. If you ever thought about it, that Noah actually built a physical project of a ship like the, your Titanic or your, your, your cruise ships, if I may put it that, that way. But the difference was that that revelation came from God. Where is that God who can inspire such kind of innovations in our time? We can't look up to Silicon Valley and America and Chinese to innovate products and services that solve human problems. When we are believers that are filled with the Holy Spirit, where is the God that can inspire Practical solutions to human need. <laughs> Even as Adam would have a visitation by God in the Garden of Eden, which was his marketplace in the cool of the day, not in a religious setup. These men and women that God is raising now, marketplace ministers, they will master by God's wisdom the secret of turning their workplaces and their business environments to be their daily altars and their lifestyles to be the evidence of kingdom transformation, kingdom mastery and kingdom dominion. May God give you wisdom to use your profession and to use your business as a bot that Jesus can preach from. Your workplace should be your daily altar from which you worship. It should be your daily pulpit from which you preach and you minister to many. 
I was talking to one of my mentees who is a medical doctor in England. And we began to discuss and I was sharing with her. And she was crying and bemoaning how the system is very difficult and restraining in terms of preaching as professionals that they are not allowed to preach and so forth and so forth and so forth. Because she loves God. And I began to help her to understand how she needs and began to give her the strategy of how she can use a profession as a doctor to establish trusted relationships with people and establish friendships in love. As much as we are not allowed to preach at work, but no one can criminalize you for developing a friendship with your patients. And you can invite them to your house. That's outside work. And then you let them know you are who you are because of the grace of God. You love God and that's why you love them enough to make them your friends. You're using your profession as your board. <laughs> oh, I feel the anointing. I feel the anointing. May this anointing come upon your life. May this anointing come upon your life. Do you see now why then it is possible for even God now to bless your academics? Do you now understand why God has vested interest in your professional success? Because your professional success becomes a setup for the kingdom of God to have access to certain people that can never be reached even by conventional preaching methods. There are parts of the world where even if you want to do a crusade, you cannot do a crusade. You'll be arrested. You're not even allowed to make noise in a neighborhood. Some of you understand what I'm talking about right now. You're already in communities where you cannot do an open-air crusade. We don't have to change the message, but we have to change our strategy. The church has to engage strategic thinking so that we can still be able to be effective in reaching the world with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. All the story of Noah is just amazing. The setting and the timing when Noah received the blueprint to build the ark. It was a time when actually God was getting ready to destroy the entire human race because of the sin in the world. But consider this. In such a time of crisis, Noah found favor with God. What do we learn from that? We learn that times of crisis, like the one we are in now, times of crisis, if believers, marketplace believers can open up to the Spirit of God, times of crisis can be great openings of opportunities for distinction. God can distinguish you. He can elevate you in times of crisis because you have access to superior revelation through your relationship with God. That's why you should not walk by sight and cry with the world. And cry with people that cry like they don't have hope and they don't have a relationship with God. In times of crisis, good God Almighty, in times of crisis, you can actually have a lifting from God. I prophesy and decree over your life that through your marketplace engagement, through your professional engagement, may God use that to elevate you. Even in this crisis, may God create opportunities for you by the power of marketplace wisdom and revelation coming upon your life. When others are saying there is no jobs, may God anoint you to be able to have revelation of what is it that you can do to solve human problems, even in crisis. That is the kind of God that we know and we serve. It becomes very important to learn that the prevailing environmental factors are not a reason good enough to justify lack of innovation and lack of creative ways. God is calling us 
to bring the culture of the kingdom of God and the knowledge of Christ in every part of society. The worst of times can be the best of times, especially if we open up our minds and stop thinking in the box. Oh my God. I hope you are following me. I hope somebody is following me here. This one will bless your heart. Do you know that the ratio of Noah's ark, the ratio of Noah's ark, was actually 30 by 5 by 3. The ratio of Noah's ark. According to modern shipbuilders, this ratio represents an advanced knowledge of shipbuilding since it is actually the optimum design for stability in rough seas. It is actually believed that if the, the Titanic was actually built according to the, di to the di dimensions and the design of Noah's Ark, it was never going to sink. That is, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to prove to you that there is superiority in revelation that comes from God. God even has knowledge of marine engineering. Never limit the knowledge of God, the ability of God, and the anointing of God to only casting out demons. Oh my God. You limit the anointing of God only to casting out demons. I am actually ashamed that the church begins to glorify and idolize people who call themselves prophets because they can only name number plates and names of people. Yet the world without a knowledge of God has even been able to discover cell phones like the one you are using. They have been able to discover the internet that we are using right now. And we take pride that we can know names of people and number plates of cars. What a shame. I want to challenge us to a deeper level. To a deeper level of a relationship with God. God can do better. God can give us formulas that have never been known. First Corinthians chapter number 2 says, There are things which no eye has seen. There are things which no ear has heard. They have never entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Woo! Somebody say God can do better. Somebody say God can do better. <laughs> God can do better. God can do better. There is a battalion that God is releasing in the marketplace. My God, my God. There is a battalion that God is releasing in the marketplace. They are getting ready to do exploits and wonders for God and for his kingdom. How I wish I had time to tell you about Daniel. How I wish I had time to tell you about Daniel. Woo! A prophet who is also a political administrator. <laughs> His official job was that he was a political administrator. <laughs> but his calling was he was a prophet. We even quote the prophecies of Daniel to look into the return of Christ. Yet the man who had such laser revelation of the coming of Christ prophetically was not even a prophet who dwelt in mountains like a monk. He was a political professional working with kings. I pray for the grace, this grace, to come upon your life. <laughs> I have marveled each time I sit with believers who are making a difference in the marketplace. I have loved it when I sit with judges 
who are children of God. I was talking to one a few days ago, and he was, he was she was actually telling me how she's so excited about what God is doing in her life as a judge, a legal actual judge. Because she says, I am a gatekeeper of God's interest to safeguard the destiny of this nation and its manifestation according to God's will. We're talking about influence from the marketplace. Glory be to God. I'm talking about I'm talking about Daniel. Like I was saying yesterday, we are in a world that preaches that church should never be associated with politics because politics is a dirty game. The question becomes who made it dirty? And how do you clean it? The truth of the matter is that even in the church in many places, the church itself needs cleaning. So don't tell me politics is a dirty game. We have seen dirty people in the church too. So the fact that politics is a dirty game is not an excuse for a believer to be engaged in the marketplace. <laughs> because the church needs cleaning equally. So, can I see fire in the comment section if it's getting hotter here? Glory be to God. God is raising marketplace believers that are going to engage, swim in the dirty waters without drinking the dirty water. You need to learn to swim, operate in those dirty waters without drinking the dirty water. God is raising Daniels that he will place in places of power as leaders of municipalities, civic leaders, company leaders, CEO, managing directors. Because he wants the kingdoms of this world to become the kingdom of our God and his Christ. There is a reason why we are bringing this message to you because God is getting ready to lift some of you into those very places. The Bible says in Isaiah 9 verse 6 to 7, for unto us a child is born and to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And this was a prophecy about the coming of Christ. The government shall be upon his shoulders. If I may go deeper in two minutes, you might want to understand that the shoulders are not on the head. Shoulders are on the body. And the church is the body of Christ. Shoulders are on the body and the church is the body of Christ. And scripture is saying the government shall be upon his shoulders. In other words, wherever there is government failure and a collapse of governance, it means that the church has not understood its role to undergird the government with the right value system and the principles that are supposed to uphold a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. That's what the Bible teaches us. Oh, I don't know if I'm teaching here. I don't know if I'm teaching here. Rather than blaming politicians, wherever government fails, it means the church has failed. It's a shame you find now that prophets and pastors begin to fight for an appointment with government. And even when pastors and prophets get invited to meet the heads of state and governments, the best that they do is to wait for a selfie moment so that they can post it to prove to people that I met this president. They have nothing constructive and powerful to say. And some of them are even scared when they meet these people. You know why? Because the church has no system of mentoring and raising 
political people who are influential. I prophesy in a time when a person who has a dream to be a politician will be able to find a man of God who has got relevant wisdom that will begin to groom them in the ways of the Lord how to become a godly king. So that when they become presidents, they will still honor the church and the kingdom of God because they know it is the church that raised them. How do you expect to influence a president? We expect the church to influence a president who was raised by Sangomas. Now that he's president, you want to go and pray with him. Don't you realize we are too late? We are always being reactive. And the world is very proactive. And in this season, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God has to have a hub of raising kingdom ambassadors for the marketplace. <laughs> oh, it's heavy here now. It's heavy here now. Oh, Daniel. I think in the coming weeks, I'm going to do some a series where I'm going to be touching on one by one of these people. And I'll pull out principles, practical principles that you can be able to apply in your sphere of influence. Whether it's business, whether it's politics. Glory be to God. So what we are saying, my brothers and my sisters, is that God wants to anoint you for the marketplace. But the people that God is going to anoint for the marketplace, they are principles they need to understand. Because you cannot do ministry in the marketplace like the way the pastor does it in the church. You have you have to be creative and to think outside the box. That does not mean compromising the gospel, but it means thinking outside the box. It means thinking outside the box. And guess what? These principles are not in the Quran. They are in the Bible. They are in the Bible. They are in the Bible. We are running out of time today, but not out of revelation. <laughs> we are running out of time, but not out of revelation. Tomorrow, we are going to continue. I want you to understand that it is possible for God to use you. Listen, market when you... Let me, let me wrap up this way. You need to understand something. That every government in the natural has got different forces. You have uniformed police like the, uh, like the soldiers. Uniformed forces like the soldiers and the police. But that's not all that is part of government. You also have ununiformed police. Intelligence services and non-uniformed police. You have special operatives that are actually sent on government assignments in different territories. Police, when they come, you can see them from afar. Soldiers, when they come, you can see them from afar. But even in the military, you have particular operatives that are more spatially trained. They can be sent into a war zone like a civilian and you never know who they are. They can also, they are soldiers, but they can even go and look for a job as a cook or a waiter at a hotel. These are covert operatives that do clandestine operations. Secret missions that are very important to the security and the advancement of the interest of that government. The kingdom of God is like that as well. Pastors, apostles, teachers and prophets, these are like uniformed police. Everybody knows them more so. I don't know who even said uh, preachers should wear collars. And uniforms. And now, even though we don't wear collars, the way they wear their ties, we even know these are pastors. 
<laughs> and those that we are meant to touch and influence can even see us from afar. But I'm, telling, I'm talking about marketplace, kingdom operatives. That God is going to introduce into places where the kingdom of God is required. You will be among them and they will never recognize that your agenda is to represent the kingdom of God and to bring life, transformation and change. <laughs> Talk about Daniel. Do you know that Daniel entered into Babylon as a slave? Joseph entered into Egypt as a slave. You need to understand that it is possible for God to bring you in your place of assignment on a different contract than what your calling is. You see, what has made many to miss God and to be less effective in divine assignment has been, we have always wanted to be conventional. So because God called you, you say, I want to leave my job. Was Joseph not used by God, yet serving a secular system? I told you of Daniel, who still served God in his generation, yet employed by a secular system. I can tell you of David. The Bible says that David, after serving his generation, he fell asleep. I'm talking about men and women that God uses in society for his glory from their professional places. I pray for you tonight. I pray for you tonight that the anointing of God may rest mightily upon your life. That the anointing of God may rest mightily upon your life. That in your profession, you will be effective. In the coming episodes, I'm going to take time and teach on the strategies, the principles that you need to employ in your career as a professional, in your business environment, in such a way that you don't become spooky, but you become very effective in bringing kingdom transformation and touching lives of people, introducing people to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I don't know who has been blessed here today. I don't know who has been blessed here today. I don't know who has been blessed here today. Glory be to God. I don't know who has been blessed here today. But I want you to understand that it is possible for you to serve God in the marketplace. Tomorrow, that's what we're going to be doing. We are going to now unpack some of these models that we were talking about. How did Joseph do it? How did Joseph do it? How did Daniel do it? What lessons can we learn? How did God use Esther? Esther who entered into the palace. Not through prophet, uh, I, I, I mean, religious activities. It took winning a beauty pageant. Ha! And Esther found herself in the palace. And it was Esther then that God used to preserve the Jews at a time when they were about to be annihilated and totally destroyed. We would talk about powerful, influential women like Deborah, who was a judge. I want you to know that there is an anointing. The anointing of God can actually empower you even for the marketplace. Glory be to the name of Jesus. Glory be to the name of Jesus. Glory be to the name of Jesus. God is raising a breed of people that are going to take the glorious gospel and the testimony of our Lord Jesus into the marketplace. Praise God. And I believe you are one of them. I'm going to pray for you now. I'm going to take some time and pray for you. 
going to take some time and pray for you. If you are in the marketplace and you are a professional, let me see fire in the comment section. I'm going to pray for you and we close this session so that we can go into our conventional prayer. Glory be to God. Into our midnight prayer. If you are working in the marketplace, you have a business that you're doing. Let me see fire in the comment section. Let me see fire in the comment section. If you are working, you are a professional or you're running a business, let me see fire in the comment section. I want to declare the blessing of God upon your life and upon the works of your hands. Deuteronomy 8, 18, Thou shalt remember the Lord your God, for it is He that giveth thee power to create wealth. Today I decree and declare over your life in the name of Jesus that the works of your hands are blessed. In the name of Jesus, may God so make you prosperous uh, yeah. in the work of your hands that you can be a blessing to yourself, a blessing to your family, and you can be a blessing, good God Almighty, even to the kingdom of God. It's going to take resources to fund the end time revival. That is the mandate that God is giving some of you right now. God is going to enrich you beyond your personal needs. He is going to make you a steward of kingdom resources for the preaching of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, I feel the anointing. I decree and declare over your life that may that business you are doing right now turn into a wonder and a sign. In the name of Jesus, may God bless you in your career, even as God blessed Jacob, that even the witch doctors of Laban, they had to tell the truth that your company is blessed because of Jacob. I declare the blessing of God upon your life where you are working, that even the human resource department and your managers and your directors shall actually testify that since you came in this company, this company has never been the same. Potiphar was able to recognize that as soon as Jacob came in the house, my God, as soon as Jacob came in the house, God caused everything he touched to prosper. I declare this marketplace anointing upon your life. Whatever you touch, let it turn into gold. I declare profitability in your department. Where everybody and every department is collapsing. May there be a testimony. And let the testimony be dragged to you. So that the glory of God may be seen upon your life. The God that we serve can actually give you profitable ideas. Jacob's salary had been changed ten times. By Laban. Until the day God chose. To make the wealth of the wicked shift into the hands of the righteous. He gave Jacob a revelation in the night. That is the God that I'm declaring over your life. That is the grace that I'm declaring over your life. The grace that gives you strategy. The grace that gives you strategy. You will go to sleep an employee and wake up the next morning a shareholder. My God, my God. Whose word is this one for? I prophesy that you shall go to sleep as an employee and you wake up owning part of the company as a director. Because it is God's desire to give good gifts to his children. My God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Woo! <laughs> 
I feel like there's a strong anointing for marketplace ministry that's coming upon my life right now. This is one area God has called me for. La Dobo Somaya. I feel like talking to somebody here. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Who can I speak to? Who can I speak to? Good God Almighty. There's some of you that God is anointing. Liz, oh God. Wish. Loveness. Ooh, there's people that God is anointing here. Emmanuel. There's people that God is anointing here. Listen to what I'm about to say. Some of you, as I'm speaking right now, God is touching your eyes. He's touching your eyes, Tato. You are going to walk in the same community you have always walked. But this time around, God is anointing your eyes with eye salve. And you will be able to see needs of community that you have never seen before. Money does not follow religious affiliation. Wealth does not subscribe to your religion. That's why even unbelievers can have more money and wealth than believers. But money follows particular principles. I'm teaching and prophesying. Money follows particular principles and teachings. And one of the principles that money follows, money follows problem solving. When God gives you an eye to identify and discern needs in a community, and then you pray, and the God that opened your eyes to see a need in a community, He will also show you a way of meeting the need in your community. And when you meet that need, you don't have to pray for money. People will just pay you for solving their problems. Karabada. So I decree and declare right now a problem solving anointing. Karade Bazaya. May God anoint you with a problem solving anointing. Joseph was promoted because he solved a problem. An economic problem, a starvation problem, a hunger problem in Egypt. Receive this grace now. Receive this grace now in the name of Jesus. Receive this problem solving anointing. I prophesy you are a problem solver. You are a problem solver. You are a problem solver. As you solve problems of people, Jakande Baha'i, you shall be paid by unbelievers and by believers. We have always claimed that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. But if the righteous do not know how to solve problems, the wealth of the wicked is not going to come to them. Money follows problem solving. Wealth follows problem solving. Show me any wealthy person. Show me any wealthy person and I will show you a problem solver. It is witchcraft. You, you will be led into witchcraft. If you want to have wealth, yet you are solving no problem. The order of kingdom for wealth creation and increase is problem solving. What problem is God anointing you to save? What problem is God anointing you to save? 
And that's where now we connect your purpose to your marketplace deployment. It is your purpose that's going to lead you into the marketplace. Your purpose is the problem that God has created you to solve for people. Your purpose is the problem that God has created you to solve for humanity. It is the key to God's blessing upon your life. I declare the anointing of a problem solver upon your life. You will solve problems for your community. You will solve problems for your family. You will solve problems for your generation. And the more the problems you solve, the more the number of people you solve problems for, the more people are going to pay you and the richer you are going to become and the wealthier you are going to become. It's so simple. And when I talk about problem solving, that is saving humanity. When I talk about saving humanity, that is ministry. That is ministry. Arade Bazumakaya. <laughs> Do you know that telecommunications can be a ministry? I'm reaching you right now through a skill of telecommunications. Somebody invented a telephone. Somebody lent networking. Somebody lent signals. And how signals and frequencies are transferred. Now I'm able to bring... In partnership with the telecommunications expert and company, I'm able to reach your world. As long as you are saving people, you are doing ministry. Am I teaching? Am I teaching? Am I teaching? I declare a problem-solving anointing upon your life. Secondly, right now as I'm speaking, God is releasing an anointing for value creation. <laughs> and value addition. Receive the anointing for value creation and value addition. You see, as a believer, both in your life, in your community, in your church and at work, don't be just a number. Become a person that adds value to what is happening. Add value to people's lives. Be a person who, when people sit down with you, they should have value come into their lives. And they behire. Money follows value creation. Money follows value addition. If you're going to make it in the marketplace, if God is going to give you increase, He has to anoint you for value creation. Value creators are going to be powerful people in the marketplace. Value creators. What value are you creating? What value are you adding? Money follows value. Wealth is going to follow value. Marketplace influence is going to follow value creation. I pray for you now. Receive that anointing in the name of Jesus. I said receive that anointing in the name of Jesus. Receive that grace. Receive this grace. I bless the work of your hands. Ooh, I bless the work of your hands. I bless the work of your hands. You shall not be idle, my God. You shall not be idle. You shall not eat the bread of idleness. You shall be fruitful in your engagements. Ooh, I prophesy. Your spirit is fruitful. Mm. You are a downloader of kingdom solutions for human problems. You are a downloader of kingdom solutions for human problems. 
Arabado Bazabada. Your spirit is fruitful. Your mind is fruitful. I prophesy divine ideas. Prophet, profitable ideas. Even at your workplace, God will begin to give you effective ways of doing things. Creative ways of doing things. Profitable ways of doing things. Receive this grace in the name of Jesus. My God. Your mind is fruitful. Profitable ideas. Receive profitable ideas. Where others are seeing chaos, may you see opportunity. Where others are seeing opportunity, chaos, may you see opportunity. I pray for you today. I pray for you today. I pray for you today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Don't run away from crisis. Don't see a crisis. Crisis is pregnant with opportunity. That can only be the Holy Ghost saying that. Crisis is pregnant with opportunity. One day the Holy Ghost said to me, Son, when everything is aground, that is time to cover ground. When everything looks grounded, that is the time to cover ground. Because the road to flowering is not traffic jams. When everything looks grounded, when everybody looks grounded, that is the time to cover ground. Because the road to glory and flowery is not traffic jams. But it matters what you look at. If you focus on the crisis, you will be paralyzed. If you focus on the crisis, your creativity will be paralyzed. But we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. I want you to believe that in this crisis, in this crisis, you are receiving a creative idea. Necessity is the mother of invention. That's what they said. Necessity is the mother of invention. In other words, revelation is attracted to times of crisis. Revelation creative ideas they are always born in times of crisis you will never know how creative you are until you are in a crisis you will never know the potential you have until you are in a crisis some of you you will never know how much an entrepreneur you are until you get fired from that job the day you get fired from that job that's when you discover you are the business person you never thought or you never believed you are Crisis has got a way of producing the best out of us. Listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying now concerning this global crisis. God is saying to you, God is saying to the believer, God is saying to everybody that will listen to me now and later. But this crisis is a set up by God to produce talents, graces, anointings, giftings, creativities that are in God's people that God's people never knew they had. In this crisis, God wants to produce 
Have you ever discovered that every miracle in the Bible is set up on a crisis? We celebrate the miracle of blind eyes, but the opening of blind eyes is, a, is platformed on blindness. The multiplication of bread and fish is on the platform of scarcity and shortage. The healing of a sick person is on the platform of a crisis of sickness. This pandemic is a platform for the manifestation of the glory of God. If you are in a crisis and you are hearing me right now, I want you to know that it's a setup. It's a setup for God's glory to be revealed in your life. Receive this grace now. And let miracles begin to explode in your life from every direction. Receive this anointing. Receive this anointing. Nobody is going to sit under this anointing and continue to drink from this river. It's going to be barren. You cannot drink this revelation and your life remain barren. This is your vaccine against the barrenness in life. This is your vaccine against the barrenness in life. You shall be fruitful. You shall be fruitful. You shall not be counted among barren people. Your mind is fruitful. Good God Almighty. Do not despair when one door closes. My wife sang a song. When one door closes, God opens several other doors. <laughs> Don't despair when you lose a job. God wants the entrepreneur in you to come out. Reverend. When support is withdrawn, God wants to show you that resources are drying up, but I am your source. Lisoko Pandiaba. Thus says the Lord unto Cyrus the anointed. Thus says the Lord unto Tadiwa the anointed. Thus says the Lord unto future the anointed. Thus says the Lord unto grace the anointed. Thus says the Lord unto uh, least the anointed. That says the Lord unto Chiganza the anointed. That says the Lord unto Natalie the anointed. I will go before you. That says the Lord unto Emmanuel, the one I anointed. I will go before you. This is what God is saying. I will go before you, break every gate of iron and every bar, every gate of bronze and every bar of iron. I will give you, says God, Treasures that are hidden in darkness. I will give you treasures that are hidden in darkness. Riches that are stored in secret places. The fact that darkness is covering the face of the earth doesn't mean that there is no treasure. There is treasure that is hidden in darkness. Wherever there is darkness, <laughs> treasure is always hidden there. But God says, I will give you treasures that are hidden in darkness and riches that are stored in secret places so that you may know that I have called you by my name. Isaiah 45, 1-7 Good God Almighty who is receiving this grace? My God, my God, my God. Oh, oh, oh. My God. Receive the grace from marketplace influence. Receive the grace for marketplace influence. Oh, Patrick, you shall not die poor. Patrick, you will be a man of substance. The weight of a priest and the dignity of a king. 
the weight of a priest and the dignity of a king the weight of a priest and the dignity of a king the weight of a priest and the dignity of a king you shall carry the glory of god with dignity in your generation you shall carry the glory of god and the anointing of god with dignity in your generation if you wanted to be poor you are too late you are too late good god almighty if you wanted to be an ordinary person you are too late i declare the weight of a priest the weight of a man of god and the dignity of a king for you are a royal priesthood you are a royal that's kingly priesthood redebaka marketplace ministry is god's model for this generation radeba you are a holy nation a royal priesthood a peculiar people i declare they shall be none like you hmm. they shall be none like you there is an anointing for marketplace distinction that's coming upon your life you shall be distinguished Ude la zobaya. I have three minutes to offload here. La tekebe dabazaya. Uza dabaya. But you want to make sure that your heart is connected to a kingdom assignment. You want to make sure that your heart is genuinely connected to a kingdom assignment. You will see this pattern. When God is getting ready to bless you. Not 30 fold. Listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. God is saying, about, I'm about to bring increase in your life. There are others who get a 30-fold increase. Others are walking into a 60-fold increase. Others are walking into a 100-fold increase. Huh. Name your level. Name your level and receive it. Name your level and receive it. Name your level and receive it. Name your level and receive it in the name of Jesus. I know you're very clever. You people are going for hundredfold, but it gets better than that. This is what the Holy Ghost said. I should tell you that I will not only give you a hundredfold, I will give you a kingdom fold increase. There is a kingdom fold increase that is coming upon your life. Good God Almighty. There is a kingdom fold increase. There is a kingdom fold increase. Can I? Oh, God bless you, every one of you that are giving in this atmosphere. You know where to give. You are spiritually wise. God bless you, all of you who are giving in this atmosphere. Listen to this now. Do you know that when we begin to talk about kingdom giving, we are beyond that level of manipulation. You understand? That is not kingdom giving. When we talk about kingdom giving, you need to understand this. When, we, when it comes to kings, do you know that when the queen of Sheba, a royal queen, heard about Solomon, it is recorded that she prepared spices that cannot be counted. As she was going to meet Solomon, let me teach you kingdom giving. As she was going to meet Solomon, she prepared all kinds of spices because in her world and domain, she was coming from a world of spices. Right? 
But the Bible records that as she was leaving Solomon, after she was wowed by the kingdom of Solomon and his wisdom, she left with everything that she required. <laughs> she went with, a, with an offering of spices, but left with everything that she required. I was laughing when I went to Ethiopia because I met black Jews in Ethiopia. And most of the black Jews in Ethiopia are descendants of the Queen of Sheba because not only did she come with all that she was blessed with material, it is believed she also came with the baby of Solomon. God forbid. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. That became the forefather of the black Jews in Ethiopia. But I want you to understand this. The principle I wanted to share here is this. The Queen of Sheba went with spices as a gift. It's royal, it's royalty that you don't appear before another king that you are visiting empty-handed. But here is the most powerful thing about the royal kingdom giving. It is the pride of a king to outgive each other. <laughs> it is the pride of kings to outgive each other. So when the queen of Sheba gave Solomon, Solomon had to outgive her. Now here is where it gets gooder. When you come before the king of kings, knowing that I am a king, and you give to the king of kings, there is no way the king of kings will not outgive you. This is royal kingdom giving. So you give knowing that I am provoking the king of kings. Now this is the level of royal kingdom giving. <laughs> I declare good measure. Press down. Shaken together. Shall men add to your bosom. Oh my God. This thing, this session is ending on a very bad note. It's ending on a very bad note. I feel, I feel a river now beginning to flow. I feel a river already beginning to flow now. May God bring you into the level of royal kingdom giving. Some of you, you give like, uh, like uh, what do you call them? Peasants. Some of us still give like peasants, not as kings. But may God upgrade your level of giving. I see some of you giving. Not just giving. And, and I'm talking about institutional giving. Individuals will be upgraded to become institutions on this platform. Some of you connected to this anointing as an individual who is blessed. But God is going to turn individuals to come to become corporations, to become companies. Like Jacob left alone, but he came back as a company of people. God is institutionalizing your blessing. God is institutionalizing your blessing. God says, I should tell you as I finish this session, I'm reconnecting because I need to pray. We need to pray now. Listen to what God is saying in, two, in 30 seconds. Until you are an institution, you are not yet blessed. You are not yet manifested as a blessing. Until you are an institution, you are not yet fully. Until you are an institution, 
That boutique is going to turn into a chain of a fashion company. Not only in one city and one nation. Across nations. That's how you should see. That's how you should see it growing. That's how you should see it growing. You should, God is taking you beyond buying and selling. He is taking you beyond buying and selling. To becoming a formidable institution. Do you know that Benz is a person? Benz is a person. Ford was a person. How much more you with the God that you have? This is the God that we have to bring in the marketplace. This is the God that is going with us in the marketplace.